Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Doctor Doctor Gimme the News Edition. As we all wait to see if Joe Burrow will be able to play on Monday night against the Rams. Coming up, we'll hear from Burrow, Zach Taylor, and T. Higgins on the topic, and also hear from the guy who will start in Burrow's place if he can't play on Monday, Jake Browning. Plus, I'll go one-on-one with Nick Scott, who played for the Rams for the last four years and shares his thoughts on Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and others. ESPN is the home of Monday Night Football, and I'll talk to this week's sideline reporter, Laura Rutledge. And in our Know the Foe segment, we'll get the latest on this week's opponent from the host of the Believe in Rams podcast, Jake Ellenbogen. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since live theater. My wife and I went to a play on Thursday night called What the Constitution Means to Me. It's currently running at the Ensemble Theater in downtown Cincinnati after running on Broadway a few years ago. It earned a Tony Award nomination for Best Play, as well as being a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. It's a thought-provoking look at the strengths and weaknesses of the U.S. Constitution. In the interest of full disclosure, the lead actress, Conan Morrissey, is a family friend, and she is fantastic in the role. So, if you like theater and want to support the arts, check out What the Constitution Means to Me. You've got about a week left. The final performance is on Sunday, October 1st. Now, let's get to Joe Burrow. For the final two and a half quarters of last Sunday's loss to the Ravens, he looked like Joe Burrow. Empty backfield for Burrow. The Ravens showing pressure. Burrow ready, catches the shotgun snap. He's in trouble, throws off his back foot. Higgins makes the catch. Touchdown, Bengals. Burrow retreating to avoid the rush, and he made a great throw off his back foot to T. Higgins for the touchdown. On Cincinnati's final five drives, Joe threw for 209 yards and two touchdowns. If not for a red zone interception, the Bengals would have scored on four of their last five possessions. How did Joe look to his head coach? Really good. I mean, that last game, um, aside from the interception, find me one bad ball placement. You're not going to. Um, so he, he, I thought he performed really well. Unfortunately, on his next-to-last snap against the Ravens, Joe tweaked his calf injury, making him questionable for Monday night's game against the Rams. When the team held its first practice of the week on Thursday, Burrow was present but did not take part in any drills. Soreness is, is an issue right now, and so giving him some time is best. And so... Um, this week, we're forward to an extra day, which is a positive, um, and we'll just we'll see how the practices go. So does Joe need to practice this week to be able to play on Monday? you got to practice one day, uh, maybe not full, but you got to be out there running around, throwing the ball. you just got to feel confident in, in your ability to go out and do the job. Uh, I, don't, I don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how we feel the next couple days. Um, I don't really have an answer for you there. Last week, Burrow was only sacked once and rarely pressured. But Aaron Donald is coming to town on Monday. 
In the second half of Super Bowl 56, the Rams had six sacks and 11 pressures. The quarterback will need the ability to move. You need it in every game. You're not going to be able to just stand back there, and that's part of my game is moving around and making plays. Uh, and you know, I think for the most part last Sunday I was, I was doing a really good job of that. Uh, like you said, the offensive line played great. The pocket was firm. Uh, but when I had to move, I, I felt good about it. The Bengals have tried to adjust the offense to limit Burrow's movement with mixed results. I discussed that this week with Dave Lapham. All I know is you get in a game and Joe being competitive, jumping over guys, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. It's like, you know, you, you, can't, you can't say, uh, if I'm out there playing, I'm going to play. I'm not going to be out there and say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. You can't play that way in the National Football League. These guys are too good. They're too fast. Last week, the offensive line did an incredible job. He didn't have to move that much last week. They're facing Aaron Donald on Monday night, and he might not get sacked, but you are not going to go through a game without having to move away from Aaron Donald. And this rookie, uh, Byron Young, has a sack and a half. And Aaron Donald is a disruptor. Young, uh, Young is on the uh, on the edge. He's an edge guy. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot to digest, a lot to think about. You know, do, do you have him out there at practice and limit yourself physically? That's not a good way to practice. That's not a good way for the receivers to practice with them. It's like you know, we're not going to throw this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to. We're going to take it easy here. We're going to. That you're not you're not getting you're not getting reps you're not getting full speed reps you're not right now their problem is they're not in any kind of rhythm they're out of sync you know and if you are practicing and then game planning to medically protect your guy it's tough it's tough yeah it's very tough it is if they were two and zero would he play <laughs> I don't think so yeah two and zero two division wins yep I, don't I think agree. So. I, I don't agree. think so. But I, I don't know that they can. If, if the doctor says he can play without risk of seriously injuring this, I don't know that they can sit him. That's, that's the thing. With these casts, it's like, all right, every injury is different. Every body is different that gets injured. Every recovery is different because every body and every injury is different. There's no, like, cookie cutter. This is exactly like so-and-so's cat. You know, everything is a little bit different. Now, you can put them in categories. This is like this guy had. This is like that guy had or whatever. But you just, you just don't know. And the, the worst thing in the world, God forbid, I don't even want to say it, but it's like you don't want it to be a, a, a – right now we're talking strain. You don't want it to be anything more than that because you tried to do too much too soon. Or, and again, because Joe's so damn tough, you know, he's not going to say, I can't go. I, I, I can't. He's, he's not going to. He, he is competitive. He thinks the world of his teammates. He wants to do everything he can to be successful for his teammates. It's a, it's a tough dynamic. It really is, man. I, you know, and then if you do sit him, how long will that be? Will it be until the bye week? I mean, at that point in time... Who the hell knows where, where they are? And, and that, that, that's drastic. But, you know, because I don't think the, the tweaking of the calf, uh, you know, merits that t- kind of time off. But if he <laughs> tweaks it again or again, and, and I've talked to guys who are like, man, I felt like, okay, my calf feels better than it did before I 
had the problem. And I go out there, and halfway through the game, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling good, and I'm, I'm doing my thing, and it just reaches right up and grabs me, and it's like, son of a gun, man. I'm set back to where, to where I was, or even worse than before. And that's, that's the scary part of these calf injuries, man. They are tricky. The Bengals are 0-2, and Joe desperately wants to play. It's in my head, for sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. But how does he balance getting that first win versus giving his calf the time to heal, no matter how long it takes? That may not be my decision to make. Uh, my job is to go out and play. Uh, that's that's what I'm preparing to do. The Bengals are not going to jeopardize his long-term health, so if Burrow can't play on Monday, Jake Browning will start in his place. The former University of Washington star made his NFL debut at the end of the Cleveland game in Week 1 after spending the last four years on NFL practice squads. I take a lot of pride in I came in this league as an undrafted guy, and uh, you know there's not very many handouts that are given there. It took me four years and damn near a life sentence on practice squad to really take four years of doubling down on, hey, at some point I'm going to get an opportunity, whether that's year or whatever. Uh, Actually, the the best advice I got year one as an undrafted rookie was Kirk Cousins said, hey, you got to have a 10-year time horizon and keep whenever that time comes, like at some point you're going to get your opportunity. Uh, And so I kind of took that as every offseason really doubling down and and investing you know, whether that's money or time or whatever, into becoming a better player and trying to get access to the best information, the best, you know, off-seasons I can have to try and put myself in a position to play well. And so, uh, you know, whether that opportunity is Monday or ne- or next year or whenever, uh, you know, I'm ready. When Burrow hurt his calf on the second day of training camp, Browning spent the next five weeks competing for the backup job with Trevor Simeon. They alternated with a first-string offense, meaning that Browning was working with the starting offensive line and throwing to Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. I don't think there's many quarterbacks in the NFL that took more reps in the month of August than I did. And so, uh, you know, I'm at this point in the season, I've probably played just as much football as everybody else has this year. So, uh, obviously, there's a little bit higher stakes for a regular season game, but... I feel like I've taken a lot of reps and I'm ready. Browning led the Bengals on an eight-play, 80-yard touchdown drive to end their second preseason game, then opened their final preseason game with a 10-play, 61-yard drive that he finished with a touchdown pass to Andre Yosivash. He impressed T. Higgins. God can really sling it. You know, um, he's he made good reads. Um, he's just he's a baller. You know what I'm saying? So just. Guy that that like that goes out there and does his job well. Did he develop some trust with you guys over that that period, or if he was called I, I on you? Could... I definitely feel like he did. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's way more confident in the offense. You know, you could tell he's you know, during that time he was out there. He was being a vocal leader, as he should be, as he should. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, definitely built built some confidence, and you know, just happy for him. The last time the Bengals played a Monday night game without their starting quarterback was in Burrow's rookie year when Ryan Finley led the team to a 10-point win over the 11-2 Steelers. He only completed seven passes in that game, but he ran for 47 yards, including a 23-yard touchdown. Browning showed he can move in the preseason, and if he has to start, Zach Taylor will adjust the game plan to fit his skill set. You need to uh, have great conversation with all quarterbacks anytime a quarterback's playing you got to make sure you connect with them and they understand the intent of the plan and why we're doing things and what they feel comfortable with so every backup quarterback you've ever had um 
whether it's the full game plan or a scaled down plan, you want to make sure they're comfortable. Um, so those conversations always take place. Um, we always ask Jake his opinions the night before games on, on these situations. What plays would you want? We're always connected that way, and it's on the call sheet, and this week is no different. But it could turn out to be very different for Browning. It's my job to be prepared if Joe goes down, and so really for me the week is no different. Uh, even when I was on P-Squad, I knew there was zero chance of me playing, but I was fully prepared, and you know, I would go through the whole game plan like like I was going to be the backup and like I had a chance of playing. And so uh, it's kind of my job to be ready if Joe goes down. And so that's I'm going into my third week of doing that. There was an additional twist to the quarterback quandary after practice on Thursday as the Patriots grabbed Will Greer off the Bengals practice squad and added him to their 53-man roster. The Pats have been cycling through candidates to back up Mac Jones over the past several weeks. That temporarily leaves the Bengals without a third-string quarterback, although I'm guessing they'll have one by the time you listen to this podcast. Bringing back Simeon or Reed Sinnott, who are with the team during training camp, seem like the most likely options. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Monday's game is a rematch of Super Bowl 56, and there's a player with a Rams Super Bowl ring in the Bengals' locker room. Safety, Nick Scott, who signed with the Bengals in the offseason after spending his first four NFL seasons in L.A. I talked to Nick on Thursday. Nick, you played for the Rams as recently as last year, but they've mm-hmm. got 15 rookies on the roster. There are four veterans who weren't there last year. Yeah. When you put on the tape, do you even recognize these guys? Yeah, it looks like a totally new team from, uh, you know, when I was there. Obviously, I spent the last four years there, and there's a lot of turnover in this league. But, uh, yeah, see some familiar faces of those guys that have been doing good things for them for a while, and they got some new guys that have been showing up like that. One of the familiar faces is the quarterback, Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. He looks rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. He looks younger to me. I think he's lost some weight or something like mm-hmm. that. Does he look as good as ever when you watch him? Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime he's on the field, you got to respect him and what he's done in this league. And He's still got a rocket of an arm <laughs> and very confident in his throws, so that makes it a tremendous challenge for any defender. Um, you know, I'm blessed to have had the opportunity to go against him for, for, for a couple of years now. Um, so it's going to be a good challenge, and I'm excited about the matchup. We're chatting with Nick Scott. Their offense is off to a great start. I think they're first in the league in first downs per game, second in yards per game. Watching a little of their game last week, there's motion on every snap, and it's fast motion, it's jet motion. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that their offense presents? Yeah, I think a, a big part of McVay's uh, offense is just trying to catch the defense with their pants down, right? <laughs> getting getting up to the line fast, snapping it. They got all types of jets and motions going all over the place. So it's really to challenge the defense's eyes and get guys uh, – reading the wrong keys but we got a veteran group and guys stay sound in their keys and that comes down to trusting one another so I think we should be good. Rookie Puka Nakua Nakua, excuse me leads the NFL in receptions Tutu Atwell's in the top 10 in receiving yards describe those two and what you've seen on tape. Yeah I don't know much about this Puka kid you know obviously it's a you take your hat off to him coming in and being a new guy and having that kind of impact already in that offense. Uh, so credit to him. We're going to do whatever we can to, to challenge him and make sure that any ball thrown his way is contested. And then Tutu Atwell is a guy, just being with him, he can always tear the top off of the defense. Um, so he's a guy that you definitely want to keep in front of you. 
um, because once it becomes a race, it, it can it can be tough. So, um, you know, like I said, I've been over there for a while, seen a lot of those guys, and um, you know, it's exciting. You know, as a friend, seeing what they're doing, but um, it's my job to make sure that it's a bad day for them when, when they come here. We're talking to Nick Scott. You spent the last four years playing with Aaron Donald on defense. He is a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Do you have a favorite Aaron Donald story or memory, whether it's on the field or off? Oh, man, just probably uh, every day in the facility, I used to bully him and take his lunch money, stuff him in lockers and everything like that. You know, because that's, that's like my little brother. Nah, he, he's a good dude. We had a good relationship over there. Um, we had a lot of fun just joking around. So we, I got a plethora of memories with him. Um, he's a good dude, and, you know, obviously he's a big part of that team's success. If you are stuffing him in lockers, you are a lot stronger yeah, than you yeah. appear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he, he going to love that I said that if he gets, catches wind of that. <laughs> so every NFL loss hits hard. You guys put so much into it every week physically yeah. and emotionally. How do you process a loss? Uh, I'm big on just, you know, moving on after you uh, look at your mistakes and everything like that. Um, you know, win, lose, or draw, I think you take the same approach in, in terms of trying to get better the next week. Um, just focus on your individual job and everything like that. Uh, media and outsiders will get into pointing fingers, but, you know, I don't think anybody in this locker room is big on that. We focus on our mistakes and where we can get better and try to improve that next week. I won't use the expression must win in week three. There's too much of the season left. Right. But obviously at 0-2, you could really use a win. Yeah. What is the player's approach where that's concerned this week? Yeah, it's the next week, so for everybody it's a must win. Um, like you say, you, you try not to get in too too deep of looking at a, a, a big picture in terms of the entire season, the entire schedule. Um, you know, the way I was brought up. Uh, being with Coach Franklin at Penn State is every weekend you try to go 1-0, and that's the only game that matters. So we're not looking behind, we're not looking ahead, we're looking at the Rams, and the goal is to come out 1-0 and this week. It's Monday Night Football. The jungle's going to be rocking. You've played more than 70 NFL games. You've played in a Super Bowl. Wow. Does your pulse pick up a little bit for a primetime game at this point, or is it just another game? Um, I, I think there's definitely a little added aura, like a... Uh, uh, excitement around the game and uh there's just nothing like playing at night in a full stadium yeah you could say some some guys including myself it, it turns you up a little bit uh being in that atmosphere is super exciting and then it just before the game i just usually feel overwhelming sense of just being blessed to have this opportunity to be playing in such a uh, cool environment and it'd be something that's normal for me appreciate your time good luck against the rams appreciate you the Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Monday's game is one of two Monday night games next week. Philly faces Tampa Bay at 7:15, and the Bengals-Rams game kicks off at 8:15. It'll be televised by ESPN, and I spoke to a member of the broadcast crew this week. ESPN is coming to town on Monday night for Monday Night Football, and the leader of NFL Live will be on the sideline for the telecast, Laura Rutledge. Laura, just like last year, the Bengals are off to an 0-2 start. What do you and your ESPN colleagues make of it? Yeah, I mean, look, Dan, we... Um 
specifically me, not thrilled with it because I picked the Bengals to be in the Super Bowl. So I, I still think it's going to happen, and I'm going to stick to that. Uh, but they got to get things turned around here quick, and maybe Monday Night Football is the stage for all that to happen on. But you know, the one thing I would point out is, is we feel like the first game, because of the rain and, and just bad weather, you almost throw that one out. Last week, I think they played a lot better than it looked like uh, and, and a lot better than maybe the box score would show. And I know that sounds sort of typical of, oh, there's more to it than just the box score. But I think specifically when it comes to this Bengals team, you're seeing a lot more signs of life offensively and a lot more signs that Joe Burrow is getting more comfortable than maybe it appeared based on on the points. My biggest concern is whether or not Burrow is going to play. I know you guys are following that closely as well. But I, I think he needs to, if it's at all possible, he needs to play in this game against the Rams. The offense, as you noted, did start to click last week. They could have scored on four of their last five drives if Joe didn't get picked off in the red zone. Did it look normal to you? It did. I, I think, you know, what we've seen from Joe Burrow, and this has happened these last handful of seasons, is that he doesn't get to play a lot during the offseason for a variety of different reasons right every time certainly the calf this year um, but even last season coming in they didn't look great early on either because he had had to take so much time off and this game is really hard <laughs> and I think that gets lost sometimes in all of this I, I think the offensive line is better than what we you know may uh, may think based on you know the way that it looked like he got hit early on this season I think they're doing better than we thought. And I do think that, you know, we're seeing this start to click a little bit. You know, the interesting thing to me is how can we get Jamar Chase a little bit more involved? Because T. Higgins has kind of been the go-to guy here um, early on, which makes sense. I mean, he's an ultra-talented receiver. But when you have Jamar on your team and he can do so much, I just think there's some more creative ways that he could be used. I'll be curious to see if they try to do that. Because obviously everyone knows they've got to cover Jamar Chase. So what what can happen to make him more open. I think using him in maybe a more unexpected, less of a, hey, here's our guy who can, you know, run a deep route and catch any ball that's thrown his way. Let's try to mix him in in other ways to, to get him going and to get that rhythm with Burrow and Jamar going a little bit more. We are visiting with Laura Rutledge from ESPN. I am admittedly biased, but I feel like the Bengals defense doesn't get the attention it deserves. Do you agree? I do. Um, I will say on NFL Live, we love the Bengals defense and we love Lou Anarumo at their defensive coordinator. I think he is, and the numbers back this up, as a defensive coordinator and as a defense as a whole, they are one of the absolute best when it comes to second half adjustments. And, um, you know, I don't know if people realize, but half times in the NFL are not that long. <laughs> and they're able to very quickly identify things. I mean, this game, you know, you see so many offenses able to do things and the defense has to adjust. It's kind of just the way it's going to go, they are able to adjust better than any other team. And I, I just think that's such a, a valuable uh, trait to have as a defense. And it all starts with Luana Rumo. So I agree. I think this defense probably doesn't get enough credit. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to be, listen, this Rams offense is playing really well right now. And Matthew Stafford might be playing the best at the quarterback position of anybody so far this season. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. But I, I believe they will give the Rams far more difficult game than any of their opponents have given them thus far this season. And I just think most offenses say we really don't want to face that Bengals defense, which is probably the biggest compliment you could actually get in the NFL. Laura, we are two weeks into the season. There are two undefeated teams left in the AFC, Miami and Baltimore. That's it. What do you make of the other 14 having at least one loss? 
I tell you what, uh, the AFC is just tough sledding. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I do think this game this week is so crucial for the Bengals because you just can't be having three losses, you know, um, this early in the season. And and there, I still believe they're such a talented team. There's so much um, still left for them. And so I, I want them to to go ahead and start winning here because I think I think they have the ability to potentially make it all the way. It's just a matter of how do you get past some of these ridiculously talented teams. And, uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is you you look over to the NFC side and you say, well, yeah, you know, teams could probably afford a few more losses here and there because there's still going to be a shot there down the stretch. That's just not the case with this, the strength of the AFC. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to see who comes out on top as, as the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. But even when it comes to the playoffs, you know, you look around and, and I don't know, by that point, you know, I, I think Miami and I do think Baltimore will still be really good, but I don't know that we'd be saying like, oh yeah, remember when those were the only two teams that didn't have a loss in, in this side of the league. It, it just seems like somebody, so one of these teams or a few of these teams are going to end up staying healthy long enough to to where they'll end up being the contenders because as far as just stacked rosters and talent goes, the AFC is a behemoth at this point. So for people who have not watched the Rams so far, they dominated Seattle on the road in week one. They outgained the 49ers but lost by seven in week two, here's the question. Who the heck is Puka Nakua and why can't anybody cover the guy? Yeah, I'm glad you asked about Puka Nakua because, um, I mean, what a story, man. It, so far this season, he's already setting records. You know, he's doing all these things that you just don't expect to see out of rookies in general. But for a guy that was just so unheralded, it's it's fascinating to see. And, you know, it's all a product of different things, right? So, the fact that Cooper Cup hasn't been available, they've had to work their offense in different ways. And Van Jefferson, for whatever reason, hasn't been targeted as much. And I, I'm not sure that they really trust him maybe as much as as you would think, considering how long he's been in that offense. But um, Puka Nakua, you know, everything you throw at him, he catches it and he he figures out a way to sort of like barrel forward. He's such a sturdy player. That may sound weird, but it's just like, you know, he, he's not going to wow you size-wise or traits-wise, but he just makes things happen. And I expect more of the same out of him. I think uh, Lou Anarumo probably have some things cooked up for him. Like I said, I, I do think this Bengals defense gives a far more challenging outlook for, for this Rams offense than the two opponents they've already faced. But what a story. I'll, I'll tell you this really fast. This is interesting. Uh, we were talking about him you know, with Lewis Riddick, who's on the broadcast with us. And of course, Lewis is heavily involved in the NFL draft. And we, we were talking about him with our producer, who also produces the NFL draft, the producer of our Monday Night Football game is an NFL draft producer. And and they were talking about Nakua. And they said that when they got to him, they're, they're not even sure that they showed his highlights at the draft because they're like, ah, you know, I don't know if it's like really that compelling. And then look at this guy. He, he's burst on. He's one of the best stories you know, early on in the NFL season. So uh, it's just, a, it's it's amazing. And I think, you know, I think everyone's taking him seriously at this point. So Puka's new Aaron Donald is not. He's 32. He is presumably nearing the end of his Hall of Fame career. When it's done, what will football people say about Aaron Donald? I think he's the standard for that position. And when you think about just fierce, tenacious defensive linemen, um, guys that quarterbacks, 
have nightmares about. That would be Aaron Donald. And and I think if you're somebody in that position, that's exactly how you want to be thought of and remembered uh, when it's all said and done. And, you know, the athleticism with which he plays the position is impressive. And the skill set is there, obviously, the size, all the things. But I think it's it's his mentality. It's his laser focus on the quarterback that no matter what, he's going to get there. And um, no matter the opponent, you know, he's been able to do that. He's just such a force. And it's really been, I think, fun. It's been a pleasure. You know, if you like defense, it's been a pleasure to watch him play. And, um, you know, he, he talked about actually hanging it up relatively recently and then decided to to keep going. And we'll see if, you know, he ends up being able to win another championship or something before he hangs it up. But I think he's already accomplished so incredibly much, you know, in his career. And it, it'll be one that we all look back on and say, okay, that's a name that you associate with one of the best at the D-line position. Tell your producer on Monday night to go easy on the video of him getting to Burrow and then pointing to the ring finger at the end of the Super Bowl. We've seen that highlight enough here in Cincinnati. So Monday night's going to be special. The Bengals will be wearing their white Bengal uniforms. The Ring of Honor ceremony is coming up at halftime. The jungle is going to be rocking. What are some of the keys to the Bengals and Rams on Monday night? Yeah, we can't wait, by the way. I mean, what what a pleasure to be in that environment, to be able to, you know, see some of these Bengals fans in person. But I think it's relatively obvious, but specific to this game, got to protect Joe Burrow. And I'm I'm hoping he plays, right? So you got to protect him. You got to limit Puka Nakua on the other side and force Matthew Stafford in a situation to where they really have to uh, make something happen in the past game. You know, he can do that, but they they do rely a lot on the run game. So, you know, try to limit that, try to get him feeling some pressure that may not even be there, which I think Anarumo has a lot of things cooked up his sleeve where um, he should be able to do that. And then, you know, I would just say, I think this one's going to be back and forth throughout. I think we're going to see a lot of offense. So it, it may really be like who gets the last laugh there um, and, and that's where you've just got to score in the red zone. So I sound like a football coach because I'm like, okay, so protection, limit turnovers, make sure you score in the red zone. But truly in this game, <laughs> I think those are the keys. We are really looking forward to having ESPN in town, and we appreciate your time today. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you guys. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, time for this week's Know the Foe segment. Jake Ellenbogen co-hosts the Believe in Rams podcast on the Believe Podcast Network and joined Lap and me on the Bengals Game Plan Show this week. Our first topic... Rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua, who leads the NFL in receptions with 25 and ranks second in receiving yards behind Justin Jefferson. Uh, Puka Nakua is a fifth-round rookie who wasn't even drafted with the first pick that the Rams had in the fifth round. He was drafted with the fourth. Uh, They had four, and he was drafted with the last one. He's somebody that's filling in for Cooper Cup and doing a very good job of it. Uh, breaking records, it seems like, every which way, while also he was nursing an oblique injury, uh, to believe it or not. That's quite amazing. It really is. A lot of people are, are not part of the Rams organization. Recognizable names, no Bobby Wagner, no Leonard Floyd, no Jalen Ramsey, but still have a guy named Matthew Stafford offensively and Aaron Donald defensively, and people were saying, it's not a rebuild, it's a remodel. And the way the Rams were playing, 
It looks more like a remodel instead of a rebuild. Are you, are you uh, surprised at all that they got out of the gate as well as they did? I'm not surprised uh, except for Puka Nakua. I don't think anyone who thinks that they saw that coming, and I know the Rams talk about it, uh, but, you know, obviously if you thought that was going to come from a receiver, you wouldn't have drafted him with your seventh pick out of 14. Um, so I wouldn't say the Rams have surprised me because I've been pretty high on them coming into the season. I've said pump the brakes on Caleb Williams just a sec. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near that sweepstakes. I have them making the playoffs, winning 10 games this year. Um, I just think the one thing that's really surprised me is how well that back end of the secondary has held up against the likes of D.K. Metcalf. You talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I would give them credit in that regard. I wasn't expecting him to look this good. And Puka Nakua, I just I was not expecting what we've seen from him so far. We are visiting with Jake Ellenbogen. He is the co-host of the Believe in Rams podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at JKBogen, B-O-G-E-N. I watched their game against the 49ers earlier today. The offense, to me, looked fantastic. There's motion on every play. Matthew Stafford looks as good as ever. They scored on eight consecutive drives between the opener against Seattle and last week against San Francisco. What stands out to you, Jake, when you watch this offense through two weeks? Well, I think the first thing will stand out to you is that offensive line is not last year's offensive line. Uh, they had 16 different offensive line combinations last year, and you're not going to win football games when you're down to your third and fourth string. You're definitely not going to win football games when you're starting a guy at left tackle who was on your practice squad in 2012. So uh, when you look at what they've done so far, you know, it's been really good just seeing what they've gotten out of UDFA, Alec Jackson becoming that you know left tackle, hopefully in the future for them. And then you look at going out and getting Steve Avila in the second round. He's been a plug-and-play darling. Uh, Colton Shel- uh, Colton Shelton, excuse me, at center has looked really good. Joe Nopum, who was supposed to be the left tackle of the future they paid big bucks to, looked really good at right guard before going down with an injury. Looks like he'll be ready to go this week. And Rob Havenstein is really just, solidified that right side but another thing you'll notice is like you said a lot of motion and you know what we're seeing is 2-2 Atwell the emergence of Atwell a 2021 second rounder who missed that entire season didn't even get a chance to suit up to that Super Bowl uh, missed the entire season after an injury that you know suffered there Um, he got an opportunity this year to start right out of the gate and while Puka Nakua has been turning heads we can't discount 2-2 Atwell both of them combined are, by the way, that duo is leading the league in the NFL in receiving, which is pretty crazy when you think about it like that. Uh, no Cooper Cup, no problem, not really, but they've looked really good. And the motion, like you brought up, uh, with Tutu Atwell is creating so much space underneath for guys like Nakua, guys like Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby, and new starting running back Kyron Williams. It's been a breath of fresh air if you're watching the Rams offense this year as opposed to last year. And a big reason for that is they're adopting a lot of what the Miami Dolphins do with Tyreek Hill in Tutu Awa. Interesting comparison there. Um, a lot of coaching changes on the coaching staff. I mean, the last couple of years, McVeigh uh, has flirted with broadcast opportunities. He told coaches, look, if, you, if you've got an opportunity to go somewhere else, feel free and all that sort of thing. Um, 
some guys, I guess, took them up on it. But, I mean, there is as many as nine new coaches. Of those new coaches, which one has impressed you or which coaches have impressed you or has, or has the entire staff impressed you and gelled early? Well, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, there are definitely some huge guys, and I'll, I'd be crazy not to bring up a guy who came in as a consultant for the offensive line in Mike Munchak, one of the best in the business. Uh, you know, behind Ryan Wendell, who I think has done a really good job, former offensive lineman for the New England Patriots. But I would have to say Michael Floor. Um, when he's done and all of the fire that he had, uh, you know, thrown his way last year with the Jets and how that thing kind of blew up in his face and the whole Elijah Moore debacle, um, I'm really impressed with uh, Michael Floor. This offense just seems night and day different than last year. And it's taken on almost like a new type of feel. Uh, they really rebuilt this offense from the ground up. It started with Stafford. He definitely got lighter. He lost some weight. He's more mobile. Um, but also, you can see more balance in the run game. And obviously, if you saw last week, which, you know, you said you, you watched um, the 49er game, you could see them kind of abandon the run, but it was more because of the situation they were in against a team that you just have such a small window of opportunity to beat and when you're down in that game you're gonna have to pass so but but all in all they've really you know they haven't abandoned the run like they have in the past that's been one of Sean McVay's Achilles heels is trying to manage the run and pass and I think since LaFleur's come in with more of the gap schemes that we've seen the more gap scheme runs um, we've definitely seen a better a balance couple more questions for Rams podcaster Jake Ellenbogen. We just heard the news on a sports update before you joined us on the show that Cam Akers has been traded uh, to the Minnesota Vikings. He was very good against the Bengals in the Super Bowl. He finished last year uh, with a flourish. He had 100 yards each of the last three games last year. What went wrong between Cam Akers and the Rams? Yeah, you know, it, it's unfortunate. Anytime you draft a guy in the second round to be your running back, you would think you're getting the running back in the future. A lot of people thought uh, close to as good, if not better. I never really thought that, but um, when Akers took over, it looked like they had something. Well, unfortunately, there's been there's been talent there. There's been Daryl Henderson, who who was huge in that Super Bowl. Um, you know, there's been Sony Michelle. There's been now Kyron Williams, and I think Cam is not somebody that wants to share the workload. He's just not somebody that works in today's you know committee backfield like NFL that we see. And so what we saw at the end of last year is Cam forced himself in, forced Daryl Henderson out the door, and we saw that emergence in the backfield. However, they have changed their offense since. He's not quite a fit. And since they don't trust him in pass protection, they didn't trust him in the receiving game the way they did with Tyron Williams. What you found is that first game, it was a rude awakening. He's not going to be a fit for this offense. When he was on the field 28 snaps uh, to Tyron Williams 53, 21 out of those 21, uh, 28, excuse me, he is running the football. Defenses know exactly what's coming when number three is in there. And so now with number 23 in there, Kyron Williams, the Rams feel like they have the perfect back for their offense. Yeah, boy, he's, he's put up some numbers, no question about it. They have to feel really good about their draft. 14 uh, draft choices, 12 made the football team. Five on offense, six on defense, and one on special teams, a punter. A uh, couple of offensive rookies, Nakua, Avila, 
Uh, and then one defensive, Byron Young, I mean, making contributions. Other guys involved in rotation. Uh, how, how pleased are they with uh, the youth of the football team? Oh, they're very pleased. I, I think when you look, first off, Steve Avila looks like a potential pro uh, down the road. Um, I know, you know, Brian Baldinger has been raving about his tape, and it, it's hard not to when you watch it. Just This guy is just so beyond his years. He's a natural center, and they, they wanted to play him at guard because he played that one season uh, moving over to guard when they went to the national title game in TCU. Then you look at Byron Young, and this guy has an incredible story from – you know, bagging groceries and, uh, you know, not getting – essentially not even having a season because of uh, COVID. So then his, his practices, which his team was still practicing, gets out there is Juco school in Tennessee, he's calling. And so, you know, he ends up killing it at Tennessee, and this guy's very athletic, and he's starting to really turn it on in the first two games. I mean, it, we saw one preseason game, and Sean said, all right, we don't need to see any more of that. We're going to make sure you're ready for week one. And then Kobe Turner, who some people thought was a little bit of a reach there, has really you know done a nice job. The third round pick in the in the interior, he continues to get better. And that's yeah. not even talking like like you said, Pukenkua. And then of course you mentioned um, you know the special teamer Ethan Evans, is just absolutely bombing punts. It, it's kind of incredible when you think about it that they the way they found him. Um, you know Chase Blackburn, the special teams coordinator, went out and fetched him in Carolina, but. Yeah, it, it, it's been a really good draft, as good as to be in the first two games. Obviously, we know about the long haul, and, you know, obviously we were talking in not that long ago how great Cam Akers could be. So things can definitely change. The Rams have to feel really good about their class moving forward. Credit the Rams for finding good players in the draft despite not having a first-round pick for the last seven years. Before I wrap things up, Here's an invitation to join Lap and me for the Bengals Pep Rally Show on Friday from 3 to 6 at Wings and Rings in Oakley. Our special guest in the final hour will be Money Mac, place kicker Evan McPherson. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber and by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.